Luke chapter 3. And we kind of did a soft introduction, or we planned on it being a soft introduction a couple weeks ago of this series. And um, full deliverance ended up breaking out um, because God is just faithful like that. So let's just carry on and see what God says today to us through this particular platform. Luke chapter 3, verse 21. When you have it, say, I have it. And if you don't have it, say, wait a minute. If you're not looking, say, just go right on, Pastor. I'm not even looking for it. Luke 3, verse 21. Now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying the heaven was opened. And the Holy Ghost, somebody said the Holy Ghost, descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. There was an audible voice from heaven that came and said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. Thou art my beloved Son, or daughter, you can put it in there, and in thee I am well pleased. You got to understand that at this point, Jesus had done nothing. No miracles, no raising of the dead, none that had happened yet. But this is my beloved son and I'm well pleased. Go to John chapter 14. Um, John 14. Real quick in the New Living Translation in verse number 18. So Luke tells us. The Holy Ghost ascended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven, his father's voice, and said, Thou art my beloved son, in thee I am well pleased. John 14, 18, he says, No, I will not abandon you as orphans, but I will come to you. I will not abandon you as orphans, but I will come to you. Ephesians chapter 1, go there. Ephesians chapter number 1. Ephesians chapter number one, and we'll start at, uh, let's see here, verse three in the New Living Translation. Ephesians one, verse three, I like to hear the turning of pages, that's so wonderful. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Verse 4, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. Underline that in your Bible if you have it. Highlight that. Um, write it in your notes if you, you're using your phone. But put that down, please, if you can. It says, even before he made the world, he loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. That's strong. That's a strong verse right there. That he chose us, he loved us in Christ and made us to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Verse 5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. By bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. God decided 
in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what, I love this, he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. You got you to gotta, you gotta read through this slowly. This is not just something he did on a whim. Or is it whim or yeah, whim or, 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 or he saw us in trouble and he came to our rescue. This was all before. It says, and this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. I hope y'all reading this. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, somebody said furthermore. What does furthermore mean? Talk back to me. Huh? In addition, because we are united with Christ, look at this. We have, not going to, but we have received an inheritance from God. We have received an inheritance from God. We already have it. Here is the problem with the body of Christ. We still live as if we're trying to qualify for an inheritance that we already have. We are united with Christ. We have received an inheritance from God for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Oh, it's going to work out. Turn neighbor say, oh, it's going to work out. I don't care how it looks right now. I don't care how you feel right now. But this is the good plan God had before and it's going to work out. I, uh, I need you to help me preach to your neighbor just for one minute before I go on. Look them in the eye and say, listen to what I'm telling you here. Tell them, say, it's going to work out. It has to work out because it's a part of his good plan. Oh, push the one you didn't push the first time and tell them, I said, it's going to work out. Find one more somebody you didn't push the first and the second time. Somebody that really needs to hear what I'm about to tell you. Push them and shake them and shake them and push them. And tell them, I said... It's going to work out. So if it's going to work out, you can stop fretting and worrying. You can put back trepidation because it's going to work out. Let me calm down here. How you done went back up there? Uh-uh. No, but it's going, it's his good plan and it's going to work out. 
I know you've been fretting and you've been tripping and you've been worrying and you've been stressing and you've been sitting up late and you've been popping pills, some of y'all, and you've been trying to figure it out. But the devil is a liar because it's going to work out. It's going to work out regarding your children. It's going to work out regarding your business, regarding their career, regarding that bill that's due. It's going to work out. Because it's already a part of your inheritance. And with an inheritance, all you got to do is receive it. Come on, nudge him. Say just one last time. Say, it's going to work out. Tell him, say, chill all the way out. Go to sleep because it's going to work out. So the aim of this whole teaching is this, and I need you to write this down, is to produce in us a proper view of God as our father. Because ever since Adam and Eve was separated from God in the garden, there entered into the earth what we know as an orphan spirit or an orphan mentality. And it, it has been, saints of God, causing extreme damage in the lives of people. Even in, in adding to just the spiritual part in contemporary society, uh, um, the, the nuclear family, large amounts of that family are dealing with this because of the absence of the love and the care and the security of biological fathers. We, 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 we can act like that ain't the case, but that is the case because what happened was we went away from God's intent and there are things that, that you got to get or you were supposed to get from your biological father. Your identity comes from your father. So that's why you see people that are 40 years old, 45 years old, 60 years old, still trying to find themselves. And so God before time knew that this would happen. Nothing catches him off guard. That's why it says before he adopted us into his family and he is now our father. Now we struggle with seeing God as father because of in society there's so many natural father issues. So if my natural father wasn't there, how can I at, at, in the least look to this God, this man upstairs, this, this being I've never seen to be my loving father when my natural father wasn't there? Then we bring questions up of, well, if God is my father, why did it allow my natural father not to be there? And all this stuff explodes in us and it's never dealt with. I believe. That all of emotional, physical, and spiritual ills of society can be traced to humans feeling alienated from God and their biological fathers. This orphan spirit, this orphan mentality causes you to struggle with connecting with your spouse, with your children, with authority figures, with co-workers, with supervisors. You struggle with greatly accepting yourself and loving yourself. You struggle with how you see yourself. You have identity struggles. These are all the things. And, and I'm not teaching this because I read a book because I didn't read a book. I'm not teaching this because I just it came up across my desk. Oh, it's a good new sermon to have. I taught this because I try not, Elder, to teach things that I'm not either walking through or have walked through or gained victory in. And we had a, we had a, a, a heart talk, London and I, and we went back to our birth and found out that there were layers of of orphan, 
orphan spirit, orphan mentalities that we both dealt with, things that we, we clash with each other is because of an orphan spirit. And, and I had my dad in the home, so it doesn't matter about your dad being in the home. She didn't have her dad in the home, but there were things in us that caused us to clash and live a certain way and dress a certain way and act a certain way and respond a certain way and not want certain things and not being confrontational because of an orphan spirit. They're going to deal with this. So I thought, and I said, well, my dad lives with us my whole life. That, that, that's, that, that, that's not what makes you not have an orphan spirit. Because the orphan mentality comes from you not seeing God right. Because once you become born again, he is now your father. I have called you out of darkness out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your of your dear son which is the kingdom of Jesus and and I adopted you into my family whereby we cry Abba Father and when you don't see him as your father orphan mentality orphan symptoms they flood your living and we put other names on them We struggle with identity. We struggle with how we see ourselves. That's why you take so much time in the mirror in the morning. Millions are living lives of violence and rebellion because their earthly fathers abandoned them. Many are in prison right now because of this father epidemic. Because there's something about a father's role in the life of a child. There's something about it. You can't, you can't go around that. The father and child relationship is the heart of where our identity is formed and it should be a healthy picture. Here it is. This is where it comes in at, of how our heavenly father interacts with us. So if we're missing the natural part, the spiritual part will always suffer because I can't see him right because I never had it in the natural. And then we, we enter into church because one of the worst things that happened to believers was they went to church. They had encounters with Jesus and then church taught us religion. Then we had the shepherding movement in the late 80s, the early 90s, where we had all these spiritual fathers that didn't know how to father themselves and had orphan mentalities themselves. So it went from supposed to being cared for and nurtured to being bondage and abuse and domination and all of that. And it was never meant to be in the body of Christ. And that's why when you get, it's, it's like being in a natural and being in an abusive relationship and then get you a good man or a good woman and you don't know how to act. It's like, you're going to hit me too. No, 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 no. I'm not him. And folk, folk escaped the shepherding movement where pastors were dominant and they were controlling and, and, and all these kind of things. And they end up with a good pastor and all they saw was their old pastor. Y'all quiet up in here. And this orphan thing is one of the longest lasting spirits in the earth. Because it started with Adam and Eve. It's, the Satan was teed off when he saw God making Adam. You kick me out of heaven and then you go make another one? So he came in from the get-go. Is that a term? From the get-go, with the no, with the idea to break up families, and you tell me you don't deal with this spirit, and one orphan marries another orphan. Mm. Now you got competition in the marriage, because we both need to be picked, we both need to be seen, we both need to be embraced, 
We both want to be loved and we're vying for it. Because I'm an orphan, you're an orphan. Both of us are orphans. Not because we didn't see um, Eddie, Eddie Senior right or, or, or Billy Junior right. It's because we didn't see God our father as our father. So that's why in, you, you, go out, you go out of town, out of the country, you notice if you look at pictures from out of the country, you go to Mexico or, 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 or you go to Africa, you go to India, people always stop by the orphanage because there's plenty of orphanages when you cross the water. We went there, we had orphanage come. We were going to go to the orphanage, but Pastor Jesus says, no, it's not a good area to go in right now. They're killing people. I says, well, again, tell me nothing else. They're killing people. We just, we're not going to go. He said, the murder rate over there is high right now. You ain't tell me nothing else. You ain't got to pray about it. We're not going. So he said, we had two vans, right? He said, we can just take one van. I says, what, less casualties? No, we're not going to take no van. We're not going to go. So you bring the orphans to us and we'll bless them. Well, my point is, when you go overseas, there's all these orphanages. We have the same thing in America. We just call them churches. And we have, we have all these people vying for the attention of a father that has already accepted them and approved them. And so we come to church every week and we put on a show and a performance for God, hoping he'll bless us and he'll kiss us and he'll accept us and he'll, uh, he'll rain down on us. And we say, oh, it's good. The father looked at me today. And then we go home and we try to live a good life all week to come back and have him do it again next week. And he says, You're, you can stop the performance because I'm not at the audition table. I've already selected you. I've already chosen you. Turn off the lights, turn off the cameras. You can stop acting. You can stop performing. You can stop trying to get me to see you because I see you. I'm ever mindful of you. I know all about you. I'm, I'm always on your side. I'm always fighting for you when you need answers. I come when you hurt. I feel it. He's there all the time. Yet we keep performing to get him to see us. Another thing about the orphan is because you're performing for God, which means if I'm an orphan and I'm performing for God and you come, I, I, I can't let you get in because I need him to see me. That's why there's so much fighting in the body of Christ because you dancing and I'm trying to dance with you because we're both trying to vie for God's attention. And God says, I see you both. Because the orphan spirit always competes. Write it down. It's a competitive spirit. (laughs) You are not just accepted. You are not just loved. Listen at this. You are liked by God. Come on, say God likes me. Say it loud. Say God likes me. And religion keeps us living to gain the inheritance instead of living from the inheritance. You live, there's a difference in living to get some you already got. It's like the prodigal son. When, when, when dude came home, his brothers came to the porch and said, time out. What's, what's happening here? Dude been out there living wild and with prostitutes and eating hog food he disrespected you and left the house, took all his stuff. Now he come back and you throw him a party? You light up the grill for him? You buy him a new outfit? What is that? And what did the father say to them? He says, what you trying to get, you already got. 
he's coming back to the house. You're in the house, which means you don't see me right. And if you don't see God right, you can't receive from a God that you see wrong. Because you think you got to qualify to get what he's already given. So you pray hard and you pray long and you pray louder. And you do this and you push this button and you pull that string. Because I'm trying to please God. And what pleases God is faith. Faith is you believing and relying on what he's already done for you. You resting in that. See, this is grown man talk because it takes us, it takes us away from putting on all these shows in church. It takes the religion out. It cuts the fat off of your experience. And so when you come, you're like, wait a minute, all that ain't even necessary. I've been praying so hard. Praying hard don't equate power. I'd have heard some folk pray hard and loud and long and didn't say nothing. I said, you ain't said nothing. You spitting and you hollering and you screaming and you stomping and you throwing your hand and you ain't said nothing. Because it's a performance. And so we sat and we looked at each other eyeball to eyeball. And we begin to talk about this and begin to identify. That's why you got to have somebody, if it ain't your wife, get you, your spouse, get you somebody that, that loves you enough to tell you the truth. And, and, and even, even in knowing them enough and telling the truth, they may not receive it right away, but it hits their spirit. They'll think about it when they go home. They may get mad. Now you, now you ain't, ain't going to say that to me. How you going to tell me? We've been friends 13. I'm just saying your breath stinks, Linda. That's all I'm saying. You, you can't take that from me. I'm just saying you need a man. You telling the truth. That's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying, Jim, every time we talk, you snap off when it gets to a certain thing. That must be something there. Ain't nothing there. Ain't nothing there. Why? Because you just eat our food in peace. You're always trying to bring up something. I'm just saying, man. And God forbid you say, yeah, I just, it seems like an orphan spirit. Hey, now, now, now I got a spirit, huh? Now I'm an orphan, huh? Now you calling me. We begin to share and call out things. And it felt bad before it felt better. Because nobody wants to accept their stuff. How many of y'all take criticism very well? Raise your hand. You take it well. He says, I just, I take it all. Okay, y'all rare. Lay hands on me after service. I want you to start because you raise your hand in the highest. You come pray for me first. We got some oil over here. Give you a mint before you pray. You lay me out. What is an orphan spirit? Write this down. It's a spiritual disorder. in which you profess outwardly to know God as Father. But there's an internal or constant internal contradiction to that belief. You confess outwardly, I know God. He's my Father. He's a good, good Father. That's who He is. That's who He is. You've seen the songs. But internally, there's always a contradiction. There's always a struggle you struggle to comprehend 
that God really loves you. And that's why you try to do so many things. Because you think I got to get him to love me. And there's nothing you can do to make him stop. Because he loved you before you. He says before you were even in your mother's womb. Before Lucius and Cookie even came together. He loved you. I'm I'm, I'm telling you. And, And so what this spirit does, because in our life, my brother, and those are some very nice gym shoes. What are those? Those are Nikes. Air Max. What size you wear? 13. That's what I wear. <laughs> and those look new. Are they new? See, are you prophetic? Because, no, I, I just, I sense God speaking to you. God. Because in our life, in our Christian life, because our father is a king and we live in the kingdom, the kingdom includes us. There is a table that's always prepared for us. This orphan spirit continually tells you, you don't deserve to sit at the table. And you've seen it, even in the natural. You'll put somebody else in front of you. Now, you go, you go and sit down. Because you, you there's a complex that you don't deserve what somebody's trying to give you. We were, we were out last night um, um, having meeting at a restaurant, and Pastor Vidal, he says, I just feel led to pay for these people's food. So he gets up, and he gets the money together, and he goes over there, and they look at him like, I can't, they couldn't even receive it. They says, no, we, we good. We, we, we don't deserve that. He said, well, praise the Lord. I said, well, pay for our food then. You're going to pay for my <laughs> I sure did. Is you paying for food. Just a wasting that hearing from God. Come on, you know. <laughs> and so this orphan spirit always tells you that, it's not, that this is too nice for me. I don't deserve this. This is this for pastor them. This for certain leaders. This for certain ones who've been called into ministry. This, I don't deserve to sit here. I just sit over. Y'all good. Y'all go. And it's a continual thing. And the table is, is just an example. But in every area of your life, you reduce yourself to what you don't deserve. Even in your family, your husband is struggling, trying to get stuff to you, trying to love you. Let me love you, Linda. And you can't receive it because you keep measuring yourself based on what you don't deserve. This is what the orphan spirit looks like. It's a sense of abandonment. Write it down. Loneliness. It isolates you. You do life by yourself. Unless you find somebody that feeds your orphan bucket. And there are some people who have orphan spirits that hide it by capitalizing off of yours. 
So you do life alone unless you're with them because they just brighten your day, but they're really orphans too. It's insecurity. It looks like insecurity. It looks like fear. It looks like unworthiness. It looks like rejection and depression and anxiety. You're unsure of your place in the family or on the team or in the department. You're performance driven. There's always a need to be recognized. There's always a need for constant reassurance. You're doing good. Uh, tell me again tomorrow. You're doing great. Tell me again tomorrow. You're doing, and, and if you don't, you feel like I didn't do something right. Oh my God, what did I miss? Did I do something wrong? Y'all gonna find me? What's going on? Because there's an orphan attitude there. And I can't rub your back enough. That's why I got to push you to God so you see him as your father, receive from him healing and restoration and affirmation. And you don't need it for man anymore. Because you will wear people out and they don't want to be around you because I kind of keep telling you how you look and how you're doing. And you did a great job. And oh, my God. And and if I don't, you you didn't say that today. How you you think? I didn't know if I didn't know if you was mad at me or not. I ain't mad with you, girl. Just come on, let's get some wings. You sure? Because I don't know what is going on here. It's an orphan mentality. And I got to keep being picked and picked and picked. And we think we watch television and because we're going through an adoption thing right now to adopt. They don't bring those kids out there for you so you can pick one. That'll kill those kids. If every time somebody comes, you bring them all out and say, well, I'll take that one right there and I'll take this one right here. What about the ones that don't get picked? That ain't how that works. But we've set that up in our minds in the kingdom and we're constantly trying. And God is, I just read you. God says, I picked you already. I chose you and I was glad to do it. I chose you with your big old head and your big old lips and your little booty and your big old booty and your wild hair, your curl hair, your perm hair, your short haircut, your bald hair, whatever it is. I picked you. I chose you. I ain't trying to be funny. I chose you. I wanted you just the way you are. And some of us, when we get to heaven, God going to say, who are you? Because I don't you didn't change yourself so much. You know me, God. Leroy Jones. Leroy. Leroy. Man, what you done done? It's, it, it's, it's a competitive spirit. Um, it also comes out in the form of rebellion or I just work independently. I don't need anybody else. It competes even inside the home. One of the worst things to see is husbands and wives competing. You got a business? I got to get a business. You got a book? I got to get a book. You got to get And we just, we're just competing. We're competing because we're both orphans and we're trying to be picked. It, it, it's protective of their position. You give them position, they'll keep it forever and let nobody get it. It judges others' performances. It's very critical of others. It hides behind spiritual talk like I'm just discerning. No, you're just critical. It struggles with self-worth. It struggles, um, it lacks esteem. It finds it very difficult to maintain healthy relationships. It has anger and fits of rage. Jesus you ever seen somebody go from 1 to 20 in like 30 seconds? You said, what just happened here? Because anytime they feel like they're not picked, they're not embraced, they're not loved, 
they're talked to wrong, it escalates that spirit. It hits it and it manifests. Y'all quiet up in here. Now you tell me this ain't something we got to deal with in church. You can be an apostle, you can be a pastor, you can be a preacher, you can be a teacher, you can be an evangelist, you can be a prayer warrior, you can lead people into the presence of God, they can cry and fall out, you can have the gift of healing, the gift of prophecy, and still have an orphan mentality. And when it's squeezed, it'll always come out. And we sat and looked and said to each other, we have orphan issues. So we said, we have orphan issues. Because here are your symptoms. And I didn't even realize. Here are, and here are your symptoms. Now, now, and the first thing you do is, no, I, see, I do that because, no, just, just listen. I ain't no orphan. See, what I be trying to say is I just be doing that to see if, no, just receive. You all, I was wondering why you always get angry and raged, raged. You can't drive from here to the corner without blowing the horn and throwing on the brakes and going around people and going at the dogs and all that stuff. Like, what is wrong with you? What is wrong? Then you get home and you done made everybody mad. So the, the kids don't want to talk with you. The wife don't want to cook for you. The dog don't want to bark at you. It's like, what is, is something wrong with all y'all? No, it's not, it's not all of them. Because that's just home. When you went to work, your coworker didn't want to deal with you. She don't want to get you no coffee. Your boss don't want to come to your cubicle. The, the, the elevator man don't want to deal with you when you come up the elevator. It's not them. It's you. You go to the cleaners. They throw your clothes at you. Here, take your clothes. Get on out here. It's not them. It's you. Every restaurant you go to, you got to call for the manager. It's always something wrong with some in your water. It's always something in your rice. It's always something going on. It's not them. It's you. And if this becomes your life, you got to stop and say, wait a minute. What's the common denominator in all of these scenarios? And if you have somebody around you that keeps feeding the demon, that keeps justifying with you, that girl, you okay. You good. Your daddy just should have been there. Yes, he should have been there. But how long would you let him not be in there? Kill your present. How long will we sing about healing and not receive it? How long will we allow Christians to capitalize off of our pain and make money off of our pain? Because they don't want us to be healed. Because if you get healed, you don't need my next three books I'm putting out. If you get healed, you don't need the be loose conference because you loosed. So I don't need you to get healed. I got to just, just get one nose above water. Keep you feeling like things are okay so I can keep you going and keep dragging you around by your pain. And what you ought to do with your pain is learn from it. Be healed from it and get the lesson out of it. Are y'all here? Yes. So, so what's, what's the opposite? What's the opposite? I got 10 minutes. Can I take these 10 minutes? The opposite of one that's orphaned or abandoned is one that's adopted. It's called sonship. Because when you are adopted, you are no longer without a name. 
You are given identity through the new family. You are given care and, and love. You are embraced. You are wanted. And in most cases, the family that's adopting you is better off than the one that you lost or came from. Go to Romans chapter number eight. Are you all getting this? I said, are you getting this? We don't have time in the body of Christ for circus. We don't have time for Christian entertainment. We don't have time for clowns and acts and performances and ruffling our flesh feathers. We got to get healed and whole because there's a work to do. And if God is calling us to change the world, we got to first get our world fixed. not calling us to be perfect before we do it else none of us would be doing nothing but I have identified luggage you ever been in your house cleaning up or not cleaning up or looking for something and found stuff you weren't even looking for so oh my god look at look at this look, come and look in here girl all this stuff I didn't even know this was back here and you find clothes or luggage or paintings or books or it's like look at this stuff I forgot all about this stuff the more you see God as Father and embrace who He is in your life, the more things He uncovers in you. And listen, listen. Because some of y'all just heard, yeah, uncover my gifting, uncover my grace, uncover my destiny. No, He uncovers your crap. So you can exchange it, so you can be healed and made whole. So the work he's called you to do, your gifting, your gracing, it'll flow like water. Because most people are not flowing in their gifts, they're hustling in the kingdom. That's why bitterness is so high, because if I don't meet you where you are with your hustle, you're mad with me. But once I'm healed and what God has in me, he's committed to succeeding with that. It flows out of me and my audience comes and my money comes and my people come and my resources come and I can do it all sweatless. It's kind of like Luke chapter five when they were fishing. And they have been out there all night. You know how to do what you do. So why aren't we winning at it? They were professional fishermen. And they had been out there, brother, all night. And when Jesus walked up, they were mad. They were bitter. They were folding up their nets. I'm about to go home. Been here all night. I ain't caught nothing. I know how to fish. We just fished last week and did a great job. We ain't caught nothing. I know it's fish out here. What's going on? I'm going home. Jesus said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can I borrow your boat? Jesus got in the boat. And you notice in scripture, whenever there's deficiency, whenever we begin to sweat and they begin to toil, he stopped, he slowed down, he taught them. So he said, can I use your boat? He said, you use my boat. He went in and, and he sat down, which means I'm about to take some time now. And he taught them from the ship. And when he fit, because you know what he did? He began to address all the things that they thought they knew. Because just because you fished like that yesterday don't mean God is calling you to fish like that tomorrow. And you mad because it ain't working. That's because you ain't shifting. 
So he sat on me, talked to him. Then he got up. He says, okay, y'all got the lesson? Go do it. Go do it. And they had just wrapped up their nets. They had caught nothing. And they said, first, <laughs> but the orphan always says first. We, we, we didn't been out here all day. Ain't nobody picked us. We ain't caught nothing. We finna go home. Because your flesh always tries to speak first and loud. And then the spirit jumped in and says, nevertheless, it's your word. We're going to do what you told us to do. And they dropped those nets in the same place further out that they had just fished in. And they caught so many fish, they had to call for help. How you go from catching nothing to in the self-same hour catch too much that you can even handle? Sonship. I got four minutes. Romans 8, chapter 14. King James Version. For as many are, as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again for fear, or to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, Daddy! Daddy God! See God as your daddy! See God as your father! We cry, our father. We cry, daddy, God. He's not going to leave us as orphans. He's adopted us into his family. And the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, and we are. Verse number 17. And if children, you see it? Then heirs. Heirs. We read you all these scriptures. They all line up. Heirs. So what does it look like? Sonship versus orphan. Sonship looks like we serve and function from a place of love and acceptance. Write it down. Sonship is committed to the success of others and not just trying to get picked over others. Sonship is led by the spirit of God in his or her calling and mission. Sonship rests in the father's ability to control and guide the future. They walk in security. That's strong. Because the level of insecurity in the world is causing great pain. The insecure are easily manipulated, controlled, run over. But security comes in knowing who your father is. Sonship, we serve others and provide opportunities for them to grow in their own destiny in Christ. Sonship, we don't use anger or other forms of manipulation to get our way. Sonship, we love ourselves and exhibit healthy self-esteem. Sonship, we're grounded in our identity in Christ. Three things happen when you have a proper view of the Father. Three things. Three things are restored. Three things. Three things are restored when you have a proper view of the Father, of God as your Father. One, your identity is restored. Because the Father is the one who establishes identity. When you lack 
identity, you lack direction, you lack purpose, you lack meaning. We wander, we guess, we compete, we compare, we chance. Because there's got deficits. When there's got deficits, there's love deficits because God is love. And when there's love deficits, you don't see yourself the way you should see yourself. First thing restored is identity. The second thing that's restored is dignity. Your esteem, your worth, who you are, who he is, it's restored in your walk. Folk can't even look at you when they talk. They can't walk with their head up. That's a dignity deal. That's restored when you see God as your father. Because you see him as your father, you spend time with him, and he continually affirms you and feels you and loves on you and accepts you. And you ain't got to perform another day. Another day. I ain't got to be the best pastor or the best reverend or the best apostle or the best teacher. Or I ain't got to be the best of that. I got to be the best Reggie. And my walk with God empowers me to be that. Because I know that even when I crap out and mess up, I ain't got to start over to get him. You, you going to love me? You love me, God? He, he, he even loves me more. Love is more defined when you mess up. Because how many of y'all coming up used to get whoopings? Let me hand out. How many of y'all was, it was near criminal? Raise your hands. How many of you, when you did something wrong, you expected a whipping? Stand up. How many of you surprised when you did something wrong and you didn't get one? Because we expect, listen, even in our walk with God, we expect to be beat down when we mess up. And God says, God says, no, I'm not the one beating you down. It's the consequences of your decisions that beat you down. There you go. I'm a God of love. Because you, you can mess up and your mess up will unravel things in your life. Trust me, they will. But God is still there loving on you. And even in that mess of trying to get you back to a place where you see him as you're supposed to see him. Not he finna beat me down. He finna kick me out of heaven. He about to kick me out of church. He ain't gonna love me no more. I gotta pray three times, say three Hail Marys. I gotta do this and do that and do that. Hey, we gotta do all that. God says there's nothing you can do that'll change how I see you. That thing was see. It's been sealed in heaven. How I see Alicia Williams. I don't care what she does. I don't care how she does it. I don't care how much she messes up. Yeah, her mess up can mess up for her. But I'll always love her and see her through the blood of my son Jesus Christ. I always see her as righteous, as in right standing. I see her as complete. I see her as whole. And all of that, all of what she is catches up with how I see her when she sees me as her father. Because I can see her as whole and she see herself as broken. I can see her, I can see her as a good catch and she see herself as I'm unworthy to have a man. I can see her as brilliant. She can say, I'm just so stupid. I can't pass the test. And that's how we think about ourselves. So, so how he thinks about us is over here. And how we think about ourselves is right over here. And when we see him as our father, we do this. And we can now walk in the inheritance 
that he's already given us. He's not waiting for us to do right so he can give us the inheritance. And who has a million dollars at the bank and sit at home and tries to figure out how to pay rent? Are you kidding me? A million dollars in the bank and I'm trying to figure out how I'm pay rent by the first? That solution was there before there was a problem. But if you don't see him as your father, figure, no, he ain't gonna pay my rent because he nabbed me. Because I was cussing last week. And you shouldn't be cussing. But just because you cussed last week, he doesn't unravel what Jesus did. Oh, you cuss? Un- undo that. Undo all of that on the cross. Take it down. <laughs> I'm not trying to be fun. I need you to hear what I'm telling you. Because the church of Jesus Christ, Pastor Twan, we've been in a a bad religious spot. And we've been shucking and jiving, trying to get God to see us and do something for his cheering. And God says, I've already done what I'm going to do. So cut out the filibuster. Cut it out. And see me, I'm a good father. Even when I used to spank my children, because I don't have to spank them no more, I just look at them. (laughs) When I used to spank them, I didn't want to. And when I did it, I did it because I loved them. They don't understand that. You love me, but you even said my head, yeah, I love you. It's like a lady, you know, she's with her daughter and her daughter dashed out in the street and she snatched her and she shook her. So don't you run in that street no more. And they called the police on the lady. She said, I did it because I loved her. I didn't want to see her hurt. Yes, I got aggressive. Yes, I was passionate. But that was all my love for my child. Because I can't imagine living without her. I can't imagine something happening to her. And that's how God feels about us. I don't want to see you struggling or suffering or trying to get by. I don't want to see you trying this and failing and trying that and failing. I don't want to see you going through this and going through that. I, I want you to know I choose you. I pick you. I love you. I've already carved out success for you. I've already given you an expected end and I'm here to walk you through it. I'm your father. Yes, your daddy hurt you. Yes, your pastor hurt you. Yes, your sister hurt you. Yes, you lost a job. Yes, you had to file bankruptcy, but I am here to make all things new for you. I'm here to restore everything that you lost because I'm a good father and I need you to see that. And if you're going to cry, cry because I'm good to you. If you're going to weep, weep because I done did something else for you. Yeah. I protected. Old folks said he protected me from danger seen and Understand, we don't even know all that the Father is doing for us. He's ever mindful of us. We look at ourselves as scum in the dirt. That's not worthy to sit 
at the table. That's like me having dinner and making a nice spread. And London and I, we come and we sit down and we say, come on, come sit down, London. We come, come sit down, London. And we come and we sit and we dine and we enjoy and we say to kids, no, you can't come over here because you didn't, you didn't, you did good, bad on your test last. You can't, you can't sit at the king's table. You can't partake of this nice meal because you stayed outside too late and I told you to come in. You can't partake of this meal because when I text you, you didn't text me back like you know the rules are. And that's how we see the father. We see him sitting at a table that we can't sit at. And we're forever trying to qualify to sit at the table. We're forever trying to do the right thing, say the right thing, cross every T, dot every I, so I could sit at the, so I could be accepted, so he can love me, so he can embrace me, so when I get to church Sunday, I can feel his presence. Because I didn't feel it this week because I know I've been doing bad, so I'm here, but I know he ain't He ain't thinking about me because I've been bad this week. When God says, all that you're doing, I've already done it. And I'm not going to change my mind. So come sit down. Eat. We should have had some food up here because I'm hungry. Eat. (laughs) What I have is yours. But what I have is yours because I'm a good father. I'm a good father. I need you to see him as a good father, not just sing the song. But yeah, you're, you're right. He's a good father and he's my father. Jesus said, when you pray, he said, don't pray to Jesus' father, he said, pray, our father. That's why Jesus walked the earth so unbothered because he was so in tune with his father. He was always connected to his father. He always did what the father told him to do. He always heard what the father was saying to him. And that's why, that's why, and I got to finish, that's why when Jesus said, why hast thou forsaken me? Because that was his first time feeling disconnected from his father. And he said, oh my God, this is horrible. But even in that disconnect, the Bible says it was the good plan of the father to do that because he had us in mind because he's our father. So it said it was the good plan of the father to crush Jesus for us. So while we were yet sinners, he demonstrated his love for us by crushing his son. Jesus, because he's our father. So a father, and I'm closing, that does that, 
You mean to tell me he can't align you up with a job? You mean a father that crushed his son and everything that you would ever have to deal with, Tuan, in life was on Jesus. Mm. When you looked at Jesus, you had a physical, visible picture of diabetes, of cancer, of lack, of tumors, of depression. It was all on Jesus. He did all that so we wouldn't have to do it. It was not his intent that we have deliverance intensives. Because his son delivered us. His son paid for our healing. His son took upon him our depression and our anxiety and our suicidal thoughts. And he took all of that. Because he's a good father. And I can't imagine my son. Come here, boy. I caught you talking in church. See, I'm talking in church. I can't imagine him coming to me and saying, Dad, they diagnosed me with something and I have the ability to get it off of him and I won't. I can't imagine him coming and saying, Dad, they're about to put me out. Rent is due and I have the ability to stop the eviction and I don't. can't imagine him coming and saying, Dad, my back has been hurting for three months now and I can't even sleep at night and I have the ability to deal with this back and I won't. But me being evil, I'm going to do whatever I got to do to make sure this one and the other one is always good. Always have enough. Ain't in no pain. Ain't, and I'm, I'm, I'm their natural father. How much more? How much more? As much as sometimes he gets on my nerve. No, really. And he knows he does. And I told him yesterday, we were sitting having breakfast. I said, I know I get on your nerve, but I'm going to always stay on your nerve because I want all the best for you. I said, I know I'm going to, I can say by your face I'm going to get nerve, but I don't care. Because I want this one to be all right always. As much as he crossed the line and act up, and sometimes he could be a little disrespectful, I'm still going to give him the world if I got it. I'm going to do. And you're going to do it too. That's what, we do. That's what you do. They call us suckers. Because sometimes I would, I would do all this fussing, all this fussing, and I ain't doing this, and they get on there, and I'm going to tell them, and, and they come in there, and, and they say something. I said, just go in the drawer and get one of those out there. And London says, sucker. <laughs> Because that's my son. In whom Shabbat I am well pleased. I'm well pleased when he gets a D. 
I'm well pleased when he don't answer the text when I text him. I bought you the phone for that reason. It's not for your friends. It's for when I text you. So I'm looking at you. You're on it all the time. But when I text you, you don't answer. But even in that, it's my son. In whom I'm well pleased. And if we don't, if, if, if we don't get that kind of love of the father, if he don't even make the right decisions that I would want him to make, if he grows up and says, I want to be a Muslim, I ain't no Muslim, I'm a Christian. You don't eat pork? Come on over here, we'll make you some chicken. But this is my son. If he struggles in his mouth, if he struggles with his identity, if he struggles with his sexuality, it's my son. See, the church don't understand this because we throw away people. If they don't look like us, talk like us, or make our decisions, we throw them away. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Yeah, I'm disappointed that you got the D, but I'm still pleased with you because you're my son. Are you listening to me? And if me being evil with all of my flaws have that kind of love for my son how much more does the father have for me he's a good good father and it took me a long time to see him as that even as a pastor I didn't always see him as the father that he is. So I was performing to be the better pastor or the best leader. And I can't do that. All I can do is receive him as father. Stand up, stand up, stand up. Close your eyes, lift your hands up for just a second. Father, we thank you. For being our Father. And we thank you for even today helping us to see you. It's not the man upstairs and not the guy that's waiting to get us but the loving father that you are. We thank you that even in this moment, lift your hands up, that you're healing us of all wounds and scars and deep hurt, even caused by the absence or the abuse or the mishandling of our natural fathers. Because you can do that. Because you're our good father. So even in this moment, I don't need you to feel anything. I need you to receive everything. Glory to God. Because our Father is here. You can just close your eyes and lift your hands up and let him minister to you now. Let him touch you now. 
let him embrace you now. I've ministered Wednesday night that today some of you would literally feel the embrace of God in the service. Let him embrace you. Let him speak to you. Let him minister to you. Let him whisper in your ear that you are loved and you are accepted. Right in this moment. I'm not trying to make you get emotional. I want you to receive from your father. Because he is here right now. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. Whatever God void, which is a love void that you have in your life around this subject, be healed and made whole now in Jesus' name. Receive him. See him. Let him embrace you now. In Jesus' name. Yeah, one more minute. He's here. Our Father is here. Our Father is here. Let Him embrace you. Let Him heal you. Jesus. Our Father, our Father. 